Last fall, we heard a wonderful sermon by our missions director, Laura Laspaluto. And in her sermon, Laura described for us an encounter that she had with a homeless man on the streets of New York City. You might remember her story. She encountered this homeless man. It was a cold winter day, and she looked down and saw that this man was not wearing any socks or shoes. Laura ended up walking past the man and then went into all kinds of mental gymnastics with herself on what she should or should not have done to help the man. She let us know that the story went on after her day of encountering him, and she would later see that very same man in a picture in the New York Times where somebody had captured a policeman buying this homeless man's socks and shoes. It's a wonderful, heartwarming story. In today's scripture, there's actually a story that precedes the one that we just heard read for us. And it's somewhat similar. There's a homeless man on the streets of Jerusalem. And Peter and John encounter him. Not only is he homeless, he's actually crippled. It's not just that he doesn't have socks or shoes on his feet. It's that his legs don't work at all. So there he sat in this gate to the Temple Mount every day, asking people if they could share a coin with him to make his life sustained for one more day. Peter and John, in the book of Acts, they encounter this man, and they give him something better than silver or gold. It says in Acts chapter 3, verse 6, they come to this man and they say, we don't have silver and gold for you, but we have the name of Jesus Christ. And in that name, we command you to stand up and walk. And the man did. He stood up and he walked. And it tells us in the rest of the story that, that he leaps and he praises God. Similar to the story Laura told us last fall of the homeless man in New York City, this story in Acts chapter 3 is a heartwarming one. But as we're going to see in Acts chapter 4, there's more to it. There is what Paul Harvey used to call the rest of the story. And as we're going to see in the rest of the story, after this crippled man gets healed in Jesus' name by Peter and John, this story, this moment in this man's life would end up revealing truths that are very relevant for us today. Truths about power and authority. Truths about what happens when the power structures of this world are disrupted by the authority of Jesus. So let's look at the rest of the story together. After Peter and John heal this man, well, almost immediately, they get arrested by the power structures of the day, the Sanhedrin. We're going to learn about the Sanhedrin in just a moment. They heal this man. They get arrested. It's almost evening, so they put Peter and John in prison for the night. And we pick up the story in verse 5 of our scripture today. This is Acts chapter 4, verse 5. Let's hear the rest of the story. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in their midst, they inquired, by what power and by what name did you do this? 
Now I have to set the scene here just a little bit because it's hard for us to imagine all these years later. What Peter and John had just been hauled out before is something called the Sanhedrin. I have this image of it I want you to see on your screen. This room that you're looking at, this is obviously an artist's depiction of it. This room that you're looking at actually existed within the temple grounds. So if you can picture Jerusalem, even to this day, it has that large structure right in the middle, that big square edifice. Those are the temple grounds where you have the outer courts and the inner courts and the Holy of Holies, where people would worship God, where the Ark of the Covenant existed. This room, the Sanhedrin's room, it was right there in the middle of all that action. And the Sanhedrin was basically, you can think of it like the Supreme Court. If you got hauled out before the Sanhedrin, you probably weren't having a very good day. So the Sanhedrin was made up of the high priest and the ruling elders. There were members of the Sanhedrin who sat on this panel. And their job, effectively, was to keep order in Jerusalem. Their job was to keep control over all the people in an orderly fashion. They believed that they were established by God in their authority. And there's a lot of biblical grounds for this uh, governing body to exist. But they took this and they kind of ran with it. And they began controlling people as much as they could with their given authority, with their given power. So here they were. They had heard about this person, this name of Jesus. Jesus himself stood before the Sanhedrin when he was on trial. And here the name of Jesus is coming up once again. This movement that they thought they had squashed when they put him on the cross. But the name of Jesus keeps bubbling up. And they hear that Peter and John have done something in Jesus' name. So they haul Peter and John out before the Sanhedrin to be judged. And we learn in verse 14 of our scripture that the man they had healed, the man who the previous day was a crippled man, a homeless man begging for coins, was now leaping and praising God, standing on his own two feet. We learn in verse 14 that he's standing right there with him. So they've hauled out Peter and John and this dancing cripple. There they are, before the Sanhedrin. Can you picture it? Can you imagine it? Let's find out what happens when Peter and John are standing there before the Sanhedrin. They say... In whose name and in whose authority have you done this? I love the fact that they can't even describe, they can't even name, they can't even talk about the person, this leaping, this dancing, this praising cripple right before their eyes. They say, in whose name did you do this? And that word name is interesting. We hear names, we use names in our time, but back in the time of Peter and John, name signified authority. If you were to name someone, like Adam named the animals, it was an indication that he had authority over them. And if you were to appear as as an ambassador, you would say, I've come in so-and-so's name. I've come in their authority. And so here's the Sanhedrin with all the power to control and bring order to Jerusalem. They suddenly sense that their order and their control is being disrupted, and they're wondering, Which authority is coming in to disrupt our power? So they turn to Peter and John and they say, in whose name have you done this? This disruption. Who do you think you are? Whose authority do you think you're under? And Peter responds to this question 
in verse 8. Let's hear what he says. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God has raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. It's, it's one of my favorite comebacks in the whole Bible. Peter standing there before all the power structures of his day. He's got the entire Sanhedrin standing before him who can determine his fate. They've arrested him. They've put him in jail. Now they've hauled him out before him. He's in trouble. And Peter begins his statement by saying, basically, just to be clear why I'm here, you've arrested me because I helped someone. Just to be clear, we're all on the same page. I'm standing before you now because I healed someone. I love the way Peter describes it there. But then he goes on to really answer their question. After saying that, he says, it's in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom, by the way, you guys crucified, but God raised from the dead. It's in his name that this man is standing before you well. Uh-oh. Peter has basically said to these ruling authorities, there's this power structure before him, Peter's basically saying, there's a higher authority. There's a higher authority than you guys. And I'm following that authority. And that authority is what made this man well. It's an amazing scene. And it causes me to ponder a few things, to consider a few things for the here and now, for our lives now. I've been thinking about this this week, and I've been asking myself the question, what or who are the Sanhedrins today? Maybe I'll ask it to you this way. Who's your Sanhedrin? Who's the person or the group of people who have power over your life? And maybe what immediately comes to mind is a certain politician or political party who seeks to want to control your way of life. Maybe it's your boss or the hierarchy at work. Maybe it's your parents or even memory of your parents' authority in your life. Whatever it is, we all have, to one degree or another, a Sanhedrin. Maybe it's imaginary in our mind's eye. Maybe it's real. But we have power structures that exist in this world. And maybe the Sanhedrin in your life is like the Sanhedrin at the time of Peter and John, or it's really more interested in control, in controlling you, in keeping power over you, in keeping order. And here's a deeper question. Let's go a layer deeper and not just ask, who is your Sanhedrin? But let's ask ourselves the question, whose Sanhedrin am I? Not only do we all have to one degree or another a Sanhedrin over us, we've all been given a sphere of influence. It might be large, it might be small, but there might be people out there who would consider you or me their Sanhedrin. As I reflect on this, I think I've been given a sphere of influence. I have a staff team here at the church. I have a congregation. I have a family. And I've been asking myself, am I using my authority in those positions to simply control, to simply try to 
bring order to people's lives. Because what we're about to discover in this story is that while human structures, human power structures are usually designed to control people, the authority of Jesus is designed to set us free. The authority of Jesus is designed to set us free while human structures, because of sin, you see, what human beings often do because of our sin is we take something that's really good, take something that's designed to be really good from God, and we twist it into something that's selfish or something that's not helpful. That's basically what the Sanhedrin had done. They were given God-given authority to bring order, to, to help society work well in Jerusalem during this time. But they had become more self-interested in their own control structures to the point where even Jesus himself, in the name of Jesus, when it came in, it felt like a threat to them. It felt like a disruption to them. So they tried to squash it. They tried to keep order. But you see, the authority of Jesus is different than that. While human power structures are designed to control others, the authority of Jesus sets us free. That's what it did for this man. Peter and John were operating in the authority of Jesus, and they saw this crippled man who needed to be set free from his ailments. He needed to be healed. And so the authority of Jesus working through Peter and John set this man free. And that's what's being offered to all the people in Jerusalem. And it's what's being offered to you and to me. And the question for us is, will we hold on to our human power structures? Or will we surrender our lives to the authority of Jesus and be set free? There's an invitation in this story for all of us. In verse 11 and 12, Peter continues his speech to the Sanhedrin. And he says, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. There's an invitation in there. It's saying to us, what are you building your life on? Are you building your life on the cornerstone of your own control and your own power and your own ability to manipulate the scene around you? If so, you will reject the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, this higher, this better authority. If you want to hold on to the cornerstone of your own control, you'll reject the cornerstone of Christ. And he goes on in verse 12 and he says, There is salvation in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. You see, that word saved is important here. The authority of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the power of Jesus is designed to save us, to set us free, to heal us. Whereas so many earthly or human authorities are simply designed to control us. Salvation comes from one name, from one authority only. And that's the name of Jesus. It's the authority of God, our Father, Jesus, our Savior, the Holy Spirit, our guide. When we come under his authority, we're set free. And then importantly, when we operate in our spheres of influence under the authority of Jesus, we will begin using our authority as well to bring order, yes, but to set people free from whatever they are facing. 
I see this as an invitation in my own ministry, the staff I'm in charge of, the congregation that I'm shepherding. I'm asking myself, am I using that God-given authority to control people or to set them free? That's the invitation for me. I wonder what it is for you in your sphere of influence. Are you trying to hold on to that human control? Or are you surrendering your heart, your will, your decisions, your institution, your family, your sphere of influence to the authority of Jesus so that you can operate. You would see like Peter and John saw, they would look for what's crippled, what's broken, what's needing a remedy. And they would say, in the name of Jesus, I bring health, I bring wholeness, I bring healing to that situation. That's our invitation to use our authority under the authority of Jesus Christ to bring healing to this land. Amen. And this table.